Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. At least listening to this show for an hour is better than having the theme song from Laverne and Shirley stuck in your head all day. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on the Tuesday before the Chicago Pipe Show 2022. And on this week's show in Pipe Parts, we have a uh, tobacco review. And then my guest is uh, Jacob Michelson, and you'll just have to listen and meet Jacob because this was really cool. That's all I got to say about it. Just really cool. And a completely different point of view of pipe smoking. Uh, Music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And that's right. Just as soon as I am done recording this show, I will start the packing process for Chicago and for the pipe show, which means, of course... Well, it's Chicago, so that means bringing maybe two or three seasons worth of clothing with me for the four nights and uh, picking out the pipes and the tobaccos that I want to bring with me. So that's a uh, that's a bit of a process, and it's been a while since I've been to a pipe show. So, yeah, I'm kind of out of, uh, out of practice of that. Uh, but I can't wait to get there. I will be arriving Wednesday evening. So if you see me, come up, say hi, say howdy. I'll be there all day Wednesday uh, Wednesday evening, all day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I'm heading home Sunday night. So I am looking forward to meeting a lot of new faces and uh, seeing a lot of old faces that I haven't seen for a while. Uh, Business-wise, just remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this show. Uh, iTunes or uh, Apple Podcast ratings and reviews are much appreciated, although some somehow Apple's updated that, and I can't see the numbers anymore, so i got to figure that out somewhere down the road, I guess, eventually. And uh, JDRF auction items, last call, last call. We've got some good stuff in, uh, and I understand you know the world is a tough place right now, This has been lighter than most years, so I greatly appreciate those of you that have sent stuff in, and uh, we'll get those over to Steve uh, probably the first week of June, so uh, watch for that, and I'll keep you updated on that, and I'll get you more info on uh, the uh, pipe show in Las Vegas as soon as we sign that contract, just as soon as we do it, so. All right, let's get the show rolling, so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, 
cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And for pipe parts, we have a tobacco review. And Al wrote me, uh, happy spring day to you, sir. So that, this is fairly recent. Good. Uh, question and or tobacco review suggestion. Have you tried King's Red Virginia pipe tobacco from King Smoking Pipes and Cigars? Uh, project detail from their website and it says here uh, everyone loved McClellan 5100 Red Virginia Pipe Tobacco we've come up with a blend that is sure to please McClellan fans we won't say our King's Red Virginia Pipe Tobacco is exactly the same as McClellan 5100 but it does have similar sweet rich taste characteristics whether you smoke it straight or use it to blend uh, then he said they have other McClellan matches that you might have tried. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts if you have. Al, uh, always thank you, Al. All right, Al. So here's what I did. Uh, I reached out to uh, kingsmokingpipesandcigars.com and uh, talked to them for a little bit and chatted back and forth. And they do have, uh, they're, they're doing their best to replicate some of those McClellan blends. So as a base, I said, you know what? Send me the Red Virginia and let me give it a try. And my first impression of it was, I know where they're getting the tobacco from. It's got a certain um, little bit of a, uh, shall we say, vinegary-esque backing to it. Um but there's something else in it, and I can't tell what it is. Uh, the The structure of the tobacco is a little bit different than what I was familiar with uh, with the Sutliff uh, 515 Red. So I was intrigued, and uh, I got uh, I got two ounces of it, and I've now smoked halfway through it. Tried it in some different bowls, and of course, when I got the when I got the tobacco, first of all, it was too wet for me. But we all know how I am. And it did take a little bit of time to dry down. Uh, now, keep in mind, I'm doing this in warm, humid May, so uh, it would dry down a little faster if it wasn't so hot and humid. But uh, anyway, on the nose, there was a little bit of a burn of that vinegar. Once I got it packed into a couple of different pipes and played around with it and got the moisture level down to where I like it, uh, it was interesting because it does have a little sweetness on the... Uh, on the back, on the back end, it has a little bit of a, um, I want to call it a, a, a real flavorful orange hint to it or taste to it. So whatever they're doing, they're doing something right. I would be really interested to see if this is going to age well, because I think the leaf that they're supplementing into possibly with the Sutliff is some good quality leaf. Uh, there was some decent lengths of ribbon in there as well as some little cross cuts and some smaller pieces. But I know that there is some quality leaf in there because you really can't get you really can't get really long ribbon out of bad leaf. 
Um, I will say I enjoyed it. I'm interested now to maybe try some of their other red-based. I don't want to try the English ones, but again, when you look at McClelland, uh, you know, the, the 5100 red cake was kind of a base for a lot of things that they did. This is a, uh, this is a good attempt. Um, I think this is actually better than what I was able to uh, manipulate mine down to. However, I added a bunch of Perique to it, so now all I got is I get a bunch of Perique with a little bit of red behind it. Uh, but again, it's King Smoking Pipes and Cigars.com. I tried the Red Virginia. If you're looking for something else, you know, maybe a uh, maybe an English or something. Maybe you're missing some of those McClellans. Uh, give them a try. Check it out couple of ounces won't hurt you and again just remember when you're when you're trying something new play around with the moisture level play around with the packing technique work the pipes and see if you can find that sweet spot for it so uh, thanks to Al for pointing that out to me and in just a moment my conversation with Jacob Michelson this is internet radio hi I'm Jeremy Reeves head blender of Cornell and deal we know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is this is this is going to be fun. Somewhat um, uh, could uh, you know I I might come to tears a little bit. I'm I'm just warning everybody, and I'm warning myself. So, <laughs> but joining us is a pipe smoker who is not not new to pipe smoking at all, but new to the actual pipe smoking that's really hard to explain isn't it jacob it is a little bit different so jacob michelson welcome to the pipes magazine radio show and first of all let, let's just get to know you you're were, were you born and raised in san antonio i was born and raised in san antonio and after san antonio i spent a little time um, out in the hill country of Texas, outside San Antonio, north and west of it, in uh, Kerrville, and now live in a little kind of suburb area outside of San Antonio, in between the city and the hill country, which is great. And the way you got introduced to pipe smoking is through a name that some very astute listeners will recognize, because... Uh, your father was one of the guys that I looked forward to seeing at pipe shows, hanging out with at pipe shows, occasionally chatting with over the phone. Uh, and your father holds the rare distinction of being one of three pipe collectors who I've actually been over to their house 
and visited with them when I was in town. Uh, your father was Mitch Michelson, right? That's correct. Yeah. So uh, when you were born, was your dad standing there in the delivery room with a pipe in his mouth? Because, I mean, he was, he was a dedicated pipe smoker. He was absolutely a dedicated pipe smoker. Um, he was dedicated to a number of his, his hobbies, that's for sure. And pipe smoking, probably one of the, the big three, I think. I don't know that he was smoking a pipe in the room, but it wasn't <laughs> long, I'm sure, after we got home. But it was definitely a fixture uh, growing up. It was something that uh, I really didn't even notice being there or not being there. It was just part of part of our household. There was always a collection of pipes on the uh, on display in the office, and there was a few always next to the Lazy Boy in the living room. Um, and weekends were um, some kind of classical music over the the home stereo system with pipe smoke in the air and newspapers unfolded. So it was very much a staple and a fixture growing up. Are there any pictures of you as a little kid with one of dad's pipes in your mouth? I mean, anything like that? You know, I, don't, I don't know if I ever was brave enough to try and, uh, and grab any and, and walk around with them. Uh, it does remind me of a funny comic strip that he had hanging on the uh, on the refrigerator, though. Um, it was a Dennis the Menace cartoon, and maybe this is what kind of deterred me from from trying to grab <laughs> one ever. But uh, Dennis had grabbed one of the neighbor's pipes, and he he ran it back and said, "Mr. Wilson, here I cleaned it for you," and it's just overflowing with bubbles. Um, <laughs> handed it back, and of course, you know the the angry look on Mr. Wilson's face. Um, that one kind of stuck in my head. That was up on the fridge growing up. And uh, no, I don't think there's any photographs of me getting into any kind of mischief. And, and pipe smoking wasn't any, it wasn't, you know, it, your dad didn't force it on you. Your dad didn't say, well, you know, Jacob, when you turn 18, you get a cowboy hat and a pipe. Uh, <laughs> no. And although I did um, inherit as much of the I did inherit as much of that that idea of being the cowboy in the group of friends, um, I didn't <laughs> get pushed into pipe smoking at all. Um, it was something that I was always attracted to in a, in a weird way. I don't know how to say that without it seeming weird. <laughs> uh, but again, it was just a fixture. And it was something that I always saw and was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's neat, but it's just a thing. Um, and in the back of my mind, I always knew that one day I was going to pick it up. Um, and I never really ended up asking about it. He never, he never, he certainly never pushed it on me at all. Uh, but there were, there were other aspects of other interests and parts of his life um, that we definitely um, shared time doing and, and, um, that he was teaching me and, and showing me what he knew about it, whether it was model building, which was a big part of what he was into in the ship modeling world. Yeah. And the, the accurate um, representation of scale ship models where he would, you know, physically make and scratch build every plank of a, um, the USS constitution <laughs> or some other, uh, a man of war or whatever other, uh, sailing ship from a 
this particular era, especially around the War of 1812, was a big interest of his in maritime history. But he would build each of those things from scratch. And, you know, I learned a lot. And I grew up, you know, he, he would take me to the hobby store and we would buy model kits, uh, whether it was, I got into, I got really into model rockets as a little kid. And, you know, he pushed me down that road. We did all kinds of cool stuff with that or building. I was more into building model cars or motorcycles and things like that. So he would, you know, we'd sit down and we'd build those and he would show me the different techniques of how to put it together uh, <laughs> neatly and accurately and take the time for it to look nice and the, the techniques of painting and all those kind of things. Um, same with some some woodworking. That was another thing that he was really into. And so I, I learned a lot about woodworking and tools in the garage and all those kind of things. And But of all the things that, again, it was just a fixture, the pipe was always there in all of those things. I remember, you know, that we're sitting down building a model and he's, we're walking through the instructions. One of the big rules of everything uh, whether it was a model kit or a radio-controlled car or just something that we're going to build, is before you touch any of the parts, we're going to read the instructions from front to back, and then we're going to start. <laughs> and so we'd go through and we'd be reading the instructions. And I remember distinctly there were times, um, you know, he's using the stem of the pipe to point at different things on the instruction sheet and, um, you know, pay attention to this and use it to, you know, just circle or indicate or whatever. Um so yeah, it was it was ever present, but it wasn't something that ever became a real conversation or point of connection uh, for the two of us. Not that that was a not that I ever felt that there was anything lacking because of that. Like I said, there were all kinds of other things that we did, but it, it was never pipes, which is an interesting kind of thing to think through now. I'm I'm guessing he probably didn't want to share his really good tobacco with you, but uh... <laughs> well, you know that's the other thing is there was probably a hesitation a little bit. There was good tobacco, and you know the pipes that he collected were certainly not ones that you just hand some kid. Yeah, well, whether it's your own or not, maybe especially not your own. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, um, so he he passed away in 2019. Uh, Correct. When did you actually first smoke a pipe? Um, it was actually a little while before that. Um, and I had gone to, I, part of growing up, I remember going with him to, there were a couple of stores that were local. And I remember going with him and he would, you know, pick up tobacco or whatever. Um, and I remember going with him as a kid. And so I, as a, I guess a fresh 18 year old, I walked in there and, um, the much easier thing for me to try and figure out was, um, a cigar. So tried that, um, wasn't really enamored, um, and never, and kind of went back and forth, but, um, I had picked up a couple of really cheap pipes. And again, it's weird cause I, I never brought it up. I never talked to him about it. It was, <laughs> um, in my mind, I think I was intimidated by the fact that, you know, of course, I knew his collection and his knowledge and, and his extensive involvement and understanding. And I kind of wanted to get to a point where I felt like I had, I had some understanding or that I could come to the table without being a totally fresh, uh, wet behind the ears kid, um, yeah. asking questions about how this worked and, uh, never really got past that. Um, so I, 
it wasn't a it wasn't a huge thing it was i picked it up a few times here and there and uh never really got into it until um until i really kind of inherited his collection and then really started to dive in and started to make some friends through that and it's it's been ever since then for sure so solid since 2019 but um, before that was really almost not <laughs> worth even saying that it was <laughs> any time spent so so this is the man that changed your diaper and helped you learn how to walk and probably taught you how to ride a bike but you didn't want to you probably didn't want to take a new pipe in front of him and go uh dad how do i do this how do I do this? Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's a, it's a weird thing, but that was where my head was. I think, yeah. um, <laughs> just kind of how it went. That's a uh, perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with, uh, Jacob. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years, and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Jacob Michelson. And all right, Jacob, I'm going to give I'm, I'm going to give the listeners just a reminder of what type of collection your dad had, uh, because I've told the story often. I don't know if I've ever said it here on the show, but your dad was involved in one of my favorite pipe show related memories and that was with another collector who we've had on the show uh he and your dad had worked for about two years trying to uh, come to terms on a one pipe for one pipe trade and the one pipe for one pipe was one bow nord for another bow nord <laughs> and i saw the culmination of that trade and i saw two men get to look at their new pipes and sit there and I was like, you know, doesn't matter the cash value, the smiles on their faces was, was well worth it. So, um, let's just say, all right, so you see, so you know, your dad unfortunately passes away and then you get to figure out his pipe collection, right? That's right. It's, uh, and, a, and quite a collection at that very intimidating to, uh, try and work my way through to say the least. Did your dad tell you anything in advance of you know the potential value of some of the pipes or warn you about anything or did he try to hide it or No, I don't think that there was any kind of um there wasn't really a whole lot of discussion certainly around value. Um I understood where uh <laughs> I should say 
I guess I, I understood what level um, he was playing at, if, if we can <laughs> say it that way. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't really a discussion about value or intent or the direction of his collection or um, anything like that. There was a lot of discussion about, um, and again, as much as I said before, that we never really talked about me picking up the pipe. We did have a lot of, a lot of conversations around the pipes that he had. I was always interested, you know, when he would come back from shows, um, particularly, particularly the Chicago show, because yeah. um, that was always right around my birthday, and he would come back and, you know, would sit down at, at his desk in the office and he'd spread out um, whatever it was that, you know, he'd take some and bring new ones back or trade or, and kind of go through it. And he always had stories about the people. He always had stories about where this came from or how long you'd been talking to so-and-so about this. And there was, it was always really neat and there was always that connection. So I always understood the value, um, that there were stories behind every piece more so than there was a value of, how much this cost or what we had to trade, what, say we, what he had to trade for, for this to end up there. And so that was really interesting um, to kind of learn about and, and hear. So I, I heard names of people that, you know, until the last couple of years, I never actually met in person or even in some, even now, um, not necessarily in person, but that I've met and spent time getting to know. So that was really interesting. But the one thing that he always had an, a real appreciation for, and it showed in the collection, was the artisanship and the, and the artwork and the, the pouring of an artisan's like dedication and soul into making something yeah. uh, that really stood out. And I think that that comes from, like I said, his, his own interests and hobbies um, whether it was woodworking and working on the lathe or building even big stuff, workbenches, cabinets, whatever, or small stuff like boxes and bowls, which he got into, um, or in the model building where he spent time actually crafting each piece. And there's a, there's a level of art and artisanship and craftsmanship that goes into that too. So I, I know and understand that a big part of his appreciation of a lot of the things that he collected uh, really revolved around that. And so that was really kind of the direction that his collection took. And of all the things that he said, um, there was one time where he mentioned, you know, some of these pipes, you know, one day when I'm not here, um, I have all these pipes that these craftsmen made and I know how the market works, right? Somebody's going to grab them and they're going to try and resell them. And he's like, if, if, if I could choose, there would be one of each of these guys' pipes that, that I could just give back to them. And if it's going to get resold, then they can sell it. Um, instead of somebody else selling it with their name huh. on it and making money that that, that artisan or that craftsman's not going to get. So it was an interesting take on... Yeah. But, I mean, that was really the only the only uh, even version or bit of an instruction that there was on what he really wanted to have happen with any of this kind of stuff. So it was intimidating because again, I, I understand the value from a monetary perspective, but there's an incredible wealth uh, beyond that just in the stories and the yeah. people that are connected to it. And so that's been 
that's been a really interesting journey to go down. Yeah. So how? So, I mean, how many pipes are we are we talking about, and how do you get started in this? Also, at the same time, while you're mourning the loss of your father. So, quantity wise, probably talking in the neighborhood of, I think it's around two hundred and eighty pipes, um, and. I didn't even, you know, well, there's more than that because there were a number of them that, um, I'd, I'd say 280, 280 that I kind of photographed and cataloged. Um, and beyond that, there were some others that really I didn't photograph or catalog, um, the Calabashes and, um, the mirror, the Meershams and things like that, that just didn't make it into the photo catalog. But, um, so probably closer to 300 or just over, Wow, which is intimidating in itself just because of the sheer quantity um and then the the real education came from trying to sort through and and my dad did a great job of organizing what it was that he had and you know all of all of this maker was over here all of this brand was over there um this rack or these two racks were all you know from this group or these are all and this side of the room is italian and this side is <laughs> danish and american and so it was it was interesting to to kind of figure out that organization and that system um, and then go in and try and figure out what to do with all of it and so i reached out to a couple of people like i said i'd, I'd heard names and I, I knew um i knew that there were people that understood what it was that my dad had and try and just get some kind of guidance on how the heck do I move forward from here and uh, made contact with a couple guys and got some really good advice and actually got invited um, to sit in on a couple of Zoom calls, which has actually turned into um, every week I sit down with these guys and you know all of them knew <laughs> my dad and were friends and they went to shows together and there are all kinds of stories there which we can get to. Um, but that's kind of what I did. I reached out to one guy and he said, yeah, well, why don't you come sit down with us and, and talk and we'll see what you've got. And which was great. And, uh, kind of the, the, the entry into getting to know my dad's pipe friends. Yeah. And it, it's, so anybody that met your dad would find him to, just kind of be this really easygoing kind of you know just not the not the center of attention guy but always one that had a had a fresh joke ready for you always ready for a good conversation but behind the scenes he was very detailed and almost kind of anal retentive very much so yeah yeah um, and it didn't show in no. kind of the way that he carried himself he was very relaxed all the time um, he was comfortable in almost any situation. Um, there was no such thing as a real stranger, um, which unfortunately, or I guess I should say unfortunately, but I, I wish that I had inherited that trait, <laughs> but I did not. Um, he's super comfortable talking to anybody and had a great, this innate ability to tell stories and make people laugh and just connect. Um, and there were, he made a lot of friends and a lot of people liked him. One thing I do know, um, and I've heard reiterated in stories was, 
Um, all of that was really fine and, and great until you wanted to try and make a deal. <laughs> and, and he would he would drive the deal, and he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna get run over or or taken in any way. So, but then when the deal was done, they were right back to it. Right, just great friends. Um, yeah. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, like 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 I said, it took a, it it took him two years to come to the deal for trading one pipe for one pipe. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to the point of his, uh, you know, behind the scenes being very intentional, almost borderline anal retentive. I mean, the organization of his, his tools in his workshop and the organization of his, um, and he, he yeah. separated all of his different hobbies, right? He was involved with the model shipbuilding, but to the point of he was actually um, leading the board of the Nautical Research Guild, which is the organization that kind of helps put together reference materials and education for people that are very interested in accurate uh, reproduction of model ship scale model ships from any given time period. Wow. And so he was very involved with that and, and that, had all of that organized. And he organized and put together and led, I think, two or three years, their annual convention. And so he was very much part of that. And the pipe collection was no different. Like I said, there was this rack or these two racks were very specifically these makes or, you know, this side of the room was from this part of the world. And this, that side of the room was totally different. So, yeah. So, all right, let's get, well, first of all, let me comment on you were a little shy and, and probably a little awkward with wanting to smoke a pipe in front of your dad, but then you're on yep. a zoom call and making friends with the likes of Steve Fallon, Jeff Grasick, and Rick Newcomb. Yes. <laughs> Which is a, a whole nother level of, uh, you know, I kind of tend to shrink back and be quiet and listen. Yeah. In the, in the company of men like that. Yeah. So, all right, let's go through some of the some of the pipe names and brands because I mean, now that you're an active pipe smoker, this is kind of like starting off. Uh, you know how they say a baby's born with a silver spoon? Um, yeah, you might be. You might have gotten a golden a golden crusted a gold diamond encrusted spoon to start off with with your pipe smoking <laughs> journey. Yeah, I kind of thought that was coming. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, I do. It is almost an embarrassment of riches in a way. Um, but yeah, the the collection. And one thing that's interesting is um, something that I tried to do was build a little bit of a timeline of where and how. Because again, I didn't get much of a story other than some of the things that I could remember just in my own direct observation or, or memory. But it was kind of obvious in some ways where things started, um, at least what remained um, when I took over the collection, where things started. And that was it, you know, I think in his uh, college days or, or maybe just after where he was really into um, the Danish freehand style of, of the time, the Prevenholm yeah. and Ben Wade kind of style. And so there's some of those. Um, and then sprinkled in there somewhere. I don't know exactly where these came in, but there's some, there's some Sheratons, uh, somewhere there's, 
the Savinelli autograph, I think is the, the first real direction that I can pick up where he went from that Danish freehand style, but the, obviously the autograph collection is all freehand. Um, so it took that kind of same route. And then I can see where there's a, a big chunk of time that's um, Costello, Dunhill, and uh, and all kinds of others that are sprinkled in, right? It, but those, yeah. I think, were the, the main focus of what he was really into for at least a pretty vast period of time. And it really took a turn um, when he got into the artisan makers, mostly um, American and Danish. So we've got, you know, Jay Allen pipes. We've got Brad Pullman, um, Brian Ruffenberg. Um, trying to think. That's, that's right about the time it, you graduated from college, and he all of a sudden had a whole lot more money. You know, I think that that probably had a lot to do with it, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, yeah, and and then of course the the Danish um, makers too, and there was. Um, he really got into to S Bang for sure, yeah. and Lars Eberson, and there was Bo Nord was um, probably some cherries on top for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just referred to a Bo Nord as a cherry on top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a diamond on top rather. Could um, could be the centerpiece of anybody's collection, and you might have absolutely. a couple of them now. And and that's what's interesting. It's crazy. But you know what's really cool, too? And uh, after that, or along the same time, probably, was really starting to go down the line of finding things that are not necessarily um, expensive from a monetary standpoint. Maybe a um, hundred or a couple of hundred dollars, which I understand is not exactly cheap. But comparatively speaking here... Um, where he was really interested in finding, we'll call it hidden gems of some mm -hmm. kind. Um, and I know he was turned on to like Paul Perry and things like that, where these are great pipes, um, objectively speaking. And, but they're not, they just don't have the, the cachet, if you will. Your, um, your dad was not motivated by the price tag. He was motivated by the artwork. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's where it really, and so, um, in a lot of ways, it's really interesting because the collection as I inherited or took it over, I'm sure looked very different. Um, and at any point in time, it was always changing. So, um, the reality is, and this is something that I've talked to a couple of those guys about is, um, I wish I knew a little bit more about some of the evolutionary part of it because it wasn't always what it is now. And I can only imagine how many different um, Costellos that he evaluated to be just not up to his um, liking, but they they were part of a trade and, you know, traded up yeah. you know, three for two or two for one or five for three or whatever it might have been. <laughs> Knowing um, your dad, it was three of his for 10 of somebody else's, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. that's, uh, again, he drove the deal. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And it's just been interesting to kind of try and piece together some of that storyline and, uh, and learn a little bit more about each, each piece. And it's really cool to, to get some of those stories. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you two hard questions here. And if you don't like them, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll muddle away from them. 
or I'll delete this whole thing. So if it stays in, you liked them. Um, one, uh, do you feel, do you feel like in the, in the discussions with the zoom, with the guys on zoom, do you feel like you have a, a different perspective of your dad now? And, and I guess by looking through his pipes and getting to know his pipes, has that changed what you, any of your thoughts about him? You know, I don't know that it necessarily changed. Um, it may have offered more insight, which is an amazing gift to have been given for sure. Uh, from those guys, which I'll always appreciate. But, um, I think, you know, I've, I've heard stories and been told things, um, about interactions or conversations or, um, whatever it might be. And uh, getting those stories, I may not have otherwise ever known them. And so they're, they're bits of memory and, and other people's appreciation of his company. And the stories that come along with that are, are wonderful. And again, it's an amazing gift to get. Yeah. Just to have some of that extra insight. And so, no, I don't know that any of that necessarily changes any opinion. Um, it certainly offers some color into a part of his life that I otherwise may not have ever really been invited into. Um, not for, <laughs> I say invited into, but, you know, that um, even if I had been a little bit more braver, um or whatever you want to call it, and and tried to insert myself or ask him for guidance and been more involved with the the pipe world through his guidance and assistance. Then, you know, at the same time, the people that I've met now, um, they would have looked at me a little differently, right? I was just the the tag along kid of um, this friend of theirs, yeah. Uh, and now it's it's a very different kind of introduction and re relationship building. And I've really appreciated just having been included at all. Um, but especially when the conversation turns to something that was at all connected to my dad and, you know, hearing stories about, Oh yeah, you know, he, he sold me uh, this whole part of his collection of tobacco because he decided that he was done with it. And I mean, that's kind of a funny story. Um, <laughs> or, you know, we went to dinner here, we went to dinner there, and there was a whole group of us, and it was great, and the stories, and, you know, those those things are, are awesome, and that's that's been really amazing. Uh, and I guess that kind of leads into, so no, you know, th this is, this is a tough sub, this is a tough question, but, um, you know, no, no real regrets that you didn't get to spend more time with your dad maybe sitting and smoking a pipe with him you know that's a really <laughs> it's really tough to think about um but yeah there there are and i think i've i've come to realize or at least that feeling has evolved from something of a, a regret to just not really it's not a negative association anymore mm -hmm. in my mind but it's kind of spurring me on to really want to continue building the relationships with these people that, that he was very close with and, and develop my own for sure. Um, 
and you're, guy, you're, you're building relationships with his, with his pipes that are now your pipes. Oh, and that's a whole other side of this whole thing. And, and so there's, there's two things that at first I kind of felt to your, you know, to use your word, I think is accurate. Um, that felt a little bit like regret or that I was missing out um, with the pipes. It's which ones were like his really close friends, which ones were the, the magic pipes, which ones um, really spoke to him for one reason or another. Right. When, you know, we had conversations about which ones were attractive or amazing to look at. And of course that's part of it, but there's this whole other element. Um, to echo what you said earlier, he wasn't necessarily into it or attracted to anything um, because of the price tag. It was because it performed and he enjoyed it. And so on one hand, I've come to conclude also that I have the benefit of him having already distilled what was a <laughs> massive number of pipes through his lifetime down to realistically probably only the ones that were really great for him. And that's pretty cool. And it also makes me think that um, as much, and it's just kind of ridiculous, right? I have this amazing collection to work through and, and I will spend years and years, I'm sure just kind of getting to know it. Um, but there, there's a really weird um, comparison thing that happens, right? I don't, I didn't buy these. Um, but how do you compare to different um, an old, an old Costello or a Savinelli autograph um, one evening and then turn around and there's a, an S bang the next evening and being able to, in some way, objectively compare yeah. how those things perform, which is kind of crazy and cool. Um, you're finding your own way perspective you're, you're finding your own way through the pipes that he curated for you. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. he distilled and curated his own collection. Um, and I'm kind of picking it up from where, where he left it and, and building my own connections with, with some of the pieces. And, um, and that, that's been really, really neat. And yeah. Just don't, of, just don't bite down too hard on the gold spoon. Cause those stones may <laughs> pop out. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, I'll chip a tooth. Yeah. Uh, we jacob we could go on forever but i want to wrap this up with the fast five final questions of which you're only going to get four of them because i'm going to answer the fifth one for you so great are you ready appreciate the help yes go ahead <laughs> this is going to be tough but um what is your favorite pipe oh gosh and this and uh, this is you talking not <laughs> yeah me talking um i just to be honest i don't i haven't developed a favorite um i have found that the the pipes that were american artisans um and i don't know as much as i could say in the last bit that we were talking about that i can objectively evaluate things um that never actually happens right and i've started kind of really getting attached to um, the pipes in the collection that were really from the American artisans. They seem to perform really well. I really like them. They look great. Um, they smoke great. And so I've really kind of gone down that path. So at the moment, um, something made by an American artisan will qualify as a favorite. What is your favorite tobacco? 
And you did inherit some tobacco too that we didn't even talk about. So yeah, we didn't even talk about any of that. Um, yeah. yeah, so I inherited quite a few, um, quite a few different kinds of. Well, I shouldn't say quite a few different kinds. There's quite a bit of um, some English blends, particularly uh, Dunhill Nine Six Five was my dad's favorite, uh, which I can say is not my favorite, but I have found that I'm very agreeable across the spectrum. Um, there's been a few that I absolutely didn't like that I've tried, but I think <laughs> I gravitate more towards um, Virginia Perique blends for the most part. Um, but good boy. Really great, <laughs> got some really great uh, Englishes and Latakia blends for sure. And uh, straight Virginias and things like that. But I've, I've found that I'm very agreeable to different styles and I can appreciate them for what they are. Well, we'll get you over to the Perique side soon. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite drink? You know, generally speaking, day to day, um, some, some version of coffee, um, but evening or weekend by myself sitting down, uh, a good scotch. And instead of asking you the normal, uh, when it's time to relax, whatever, um, has there been a favorite story that of your dad, that somebody on the zoom group or somebody's told you about? Um, well, there's a few, um, there was a, there was a story that somebody told that I could just totally picture, um, how it, how it all happened. But somebody was telling a story in a group and there were two different responses and <laughs> one was from my dad and one was from another friend of theirs. And at the same exact moment, they both reacted to being told about this egregious, um, act against someone. And my dad's response was, I'd shoot him. And <laughs> the other person's response was, I'd sue him. And it was just totally, uh, I'm sure, the exact right response for the other guy in the conversation. But it was entirely um, along the lines of exactly what I would expect for <laughs> my dad to react to somebody just completely just taking advantage of somebody else just a just a pure texan and then and then finally instead of asking you what your favorite memory is you know your favorite pipe smoking related memory because you're still gathering them um i got the way i got to meet you was you sent me an email and i'm going to read it right now uh, and it says brian i've been listening to the podcast for almost a year and in between uh, for almost a year and in between new releases, I've been working my way backward through the older episodes, which is the absolute right way to do it. So good job. Uh, then you went on to write, it's been great fun and I really appreciate yours and Kevin's work to produce this show every week with consistency, both in schedule and content style. The reason I wanted to send you this note, though, is that I just made it back to episode 365, and in the beginning of that episode, you made the announcement that my father, Mitch Michelson, had just passed away. You had some very kind words to say in this short notice about the friendship that you had with my dad, and I just wanted to let you know that I thought that was really great. Thank you for taking the moment to acknowledge his passing for the community 
It was heartwarming to hear from another one of his good friends that he will be missed. I have also gotten to know several of his other good friends from the pipe world quite well over the past year or so. I feel incredibly lucky to have been welcomed and included in meetings and hangouts with these great folks. I look forward to continue meeting more of the pipe of the people in the pipe world that knew my dad as a friend and forged my own friendships as well. Uh, one podcast related question. So you'll finally get your answer here. Uh, <laughs> Have you already done a follow-up of your initial review of Sutliff's Red Virginia Crumble Cake? I remember in your first review, you mentioned that you expected to see some improvement in just a couple of years, Target to revisit in 2021, but I don't remember hearing a follow-up yet. Uh, I'd be interested in your opinion of how the Red Virginias as well as the Vapor versions of the Crumble Cake have fared after some age before I grab some more to sell her. Thanks again. I'm looking forward to many more episodes of the podcast, and I hope to get to meet you and know you sometime in the near future. I'm always up for a good pipe and tobacco chatter correspondence, Jacob. First, let me answer your question. Um, <laughs> yes. In case I haven't mentioned it on the show, here's the follow-up on the Sutliff Crumble Cake. Um, it's great two, two to three years. I'm worried about all the, um, all the acid in it and it breaking the seals on the tins eventually. So I think anything after three to five years of aging, you need to open it up and put it into a glass jar and seal it back up again, and it'll be fine. So there you go. Second, well, let good, me, thank you. second, let me say that your email to me was one of my, it's, it's in the, it's in the top five or so of the emails that I've received in this time doing this show. And while that's a credit to you, that's more a credit to your father and what he meant to the pipe world and what you're continuing by, uh, by joining us in the pipe world. And I really appreciate it. So thank you very much. And I, you know, <laughs> we're not going to see each other this week in Chicago, but we will see each other somewhere down the road. We absolutely will. And again, I appreciate everything thus far and it's been it's been great and i really look forward to uh seeing where it continues down the road because i don't plan on going anywhere this is this has been a wonderful way to uh in some ways honor my dad's memory but also um forge my own connections and and people and uh personal enjoyment and meditative contemplation um just the world of pipes has been a great experience for me and the people really punctuate it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And if you're even half as nice as your dad is, well, then you're going to be pretty great. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks Jacob. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for sharing the story and uh, thanks for, you know, talking about some stuff that, you know, can't be easy to, it's not easy for a lot of people to talk about. No, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the questions and uh, it's been, it's been a great, interesting way to kind of think through some of these things. So I appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, 
Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jacob as much as I did. Just a just a great perspective and a you know, great way to honor his dad and keep the tradition alive. All right, for music, we are going way off. And uh, you'll have to excuse me, but I was watching American Idol this year. And American Idol this year was really good until the last two contestants. There was a, uh, in the top three, the third one was a young lady named Leah Marlene, who was kind of folksy, earthy, funky, fun. Uh, anyway, I really like that. This is her first single. It's a song that she wrote, and it has a little bit about the, you know, a little bit about coming out of your shell and, and being okay with who you are. So here is Leah Marlene singing her first single, Flowers. There's a way out, there's another way in You can't close that door with the band-aid fix It'll run you around and back again It'll grow you old and make you like a It's a finger trap, keep you where you're at You've gotta lean in to get out Cause even the pavement gives way to the flowers When you're six feet under, it's hard to hear the fracture The new life is growing To the flowers 
I guess it's kind of fitting that we played her song this week because she's from normal Illinois, so I'll be in Illinois for four days. Uh, anyway, her name is Leah Marlene. Keep an eye out for her. Let's get ready to mailbag. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on uh, Pipes Magazine. Uh, We'll get through a few of these, and then we'll get caught up as the uh, weeks go by, which I'm assuming will be next week. Uh, Starting off, going back to uh, the story times with Fred Janusik, Guy writes, Hello, Brian. What an entertaining and rich interview with Mr. Janusik. He had so many interesting stories of a different time, different pipe shops, all within a stone's throw in London. Tantalizing. Though all of his reminiscing came across my mind's eye in sepia tone, I'm sure there will be many more stories, others that will tell into the future, and so on. Great music, too. Thank you, Guy. Guy, you're welcome. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of fun to imagine the old days in color. Uh, and then uh, Steve Webb writes, Hi, Brian. Really enjoyed episode 503. Uh, listening to, and he said rookie numbers, because I'll I'll tell you why. Uh, Listening to Storytime with Fred Janusik was a joy, and I'm very much looking forward to the next round of his memories. I always enjoy Phil Kagey's music. You can play as much of his artistry on the show as you want, as far as I'm concerned. I thought you might enjoy listening to the interview I did with him on my show, the LifeSpring Podcast. We did the interview way back in August 2008, but I think the conversation has aged well. So should you care to listen, it's at keggy.lifespringmedia.com. Uh, and then he goes on to say, your, your Be Prepared rant was spot on. Doesn't it seem like the level of service these days is not what it used to be? Okay, I'm just an old boomer. I guess I'll just leave it at that and I'll get off my own lawn. Keep up the great shows, Brian. Can't wait to hear the big announcement on the next show. Blessings, Steve, the OG Godcaster from LifespringMedia.com. Uh, go back and listen to that interview with Phil. What an insight into Phil and Steve's got Steve's got a voice that I could only wish to have, and an interview style that I could only wish to have, and puts a puts out a great show, and has been doing it for almost good lord 15, 16 years. So check it out. Uh, Al, again, Al, who wrote about the tobacco selection, says, uh, Good afternoon, sir. I was replaying the back catalog and wondered if you could provide some updates. Going back to episode 489, you mentioned rubbing out flake tobacco using the microwave technique. Curious if you kept up experimenting and have any updates. Going back to episode 490, you mentioned your goal of perfecting an almond milk cappuccino. Any update? Uh, And then he's got another question. So I'll answer these two first. Uh, One, I'm still playing around with the uh, microwave. Uh, I found that uh, too much, too long in the microwave kind of, uh, it, it makes the, it makes the tobacco too soft and too wet. And then you got to really dry it down for a while too short and it doesn't fall apart just right. So you got to figure out exactly where you're at. Uh, I can tell you right now, 50 grams of broken flake in 30 seconds is too much. So I'm working between, you know, now I'm working between like 16 and 18 seconds. Just zap it in there and try to get it 
warmed up in the middle so that it'll start to fall apart easily. And then I'm trying to let it dry down for a little bit afterwards. So still perfecting it, still messing around with it, and it depends on each blend, really. So, yeah, maybe this may be one of the things like packing the perfect bowl of pipe tobacco. And the same thing with the almond milk cappuccino. I have now reached the level, uh, the highest level of skills that I'm going to get with the machines I've got. That's all I can say. And the first 10 seconds is most important. So when frothing almond milk, the first 10 seconds, if you keep the frothing wand right at the top of the milk and just under the milk, above the milk, under, and you know, so just run it up and down in there, just below the level and above the level and get a good foam level. And then the rest of it is heating it up. Uh, and then he's got a question for, uh, to the head blender and I'll save that for later. And he says, as always a hearty, thank you. Uh, Jim Friedman writes, hi, Brian. I love the Phil Kagi song on last week's show. Have you ever tried to get him to come on as a guest? I know he's friends with Jody Davis, or at least I think he smokes his pipes. I think Phil would be an interesting guest. He's considered one of the best acoustic guitar players in the world, living or dead. Hope you're doing well, Brian. Yeah, I've uh, reached out to Phil and to no avail, and I really don't want to push it because sometimes uh, people in the public don't want to talk about pipe smoking. So there you go. All right, and here's a uh, titled from, this is from Tor, and it's titled Question for the Blender, but I'm going to answer it because it's not really for the blender. It's more for the tobacco ager. And he writes, so I'm here enjoying a bowl of 2012 Bayou Morning Flake and wondering what happens to sealed tins of tobacco if kept in my shop loft. The temps would get high in the summer and sub-zero in the winter. Would they maintain sealed? Would the summer heat induce a age if it an age effect? Does the freezing harm the leaf or age of it? Uh, maybe I should commit a few tins to an experiment of it. Been really enjoying the blender questions and interviews with the two pipe carvers. Listen to two episodes while I'm sorting my cellar. Wow, it's more than I recall. <laughs> Have a great one, Tor. All right, Tor, I'm going to give you your answer. Uh, extreme temperatures are bad. Bad, 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 bad. All right. So if you if the tobacco is subject to below freezing, that can actually crack some of the cells and the cell structure of the tobacco and allow some of the essential oils and some of the sugars to evaporate faster into the air. So that's bad. Extreme heat is bad because that can also do the same thing to the tobacco. It can burst those cells and allow that, uh, allow those oils and that cell structure to break down. You want moderation, everything in moderation until you're ready to smoke it. Then you can try doing some baking or microwaving or speed aging. Like I do by putting it in the sun for, you know, in a glass jar in the sun for a day and letting it go through one sweat that way. But the extreme temperatures you're talking about are bad for the tobacco and they're bad for the seals of the tins because those tins are metal and metal will constrict in cold and expand in hot and you're, ex you're constricting and expanding and that may break the seals and break the, you know, that'll break the air tightness of them. So you really don't want to do that either. I am not comfortable letting my tobacco get below 50 degrees during the winter. 
so 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So that would be, uh, let's see, uh, minus that, but, but uh, da, 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 doing math in my head, that'd be about six degrees Celsius would be my guess. Uh, five degrees Celsius. And I really don't want it getting above 80 or 85 degrees during the summertime. So yeah, don't let it get too hot. Don't let it get too cold. Moderation and time are a much better friend to your tobacco than extreme temperatures. That's only for aging. It's not for taking it out and smoking it, okay? It's only for aging. All right, again, oh, we've run long. So uh, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you have any JDRF, JDRF items, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, and in just a moment, rant time is next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Oftentimes try to find a theme in a show and this week's theme in the show is you are uniquely you and you are good enough that's it all right so here's here's a little bit of background for you remember how I've always said you are the, I'm the leading expert on my own opinion well that's because you're also the leading expert on your own opinion I've also said I don't care what kind of pipe you smoke or what tobacco you smoke as long as you smoke a pipe and you smoke and you've got your favorite tobacco in it you're a friend of mine well, that means that you are good enough as you are and finding out who you are and you finding out who you uniquely are, try saying that fast, is exactly what you're supposed to be. That's it. Don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to chase after anybody else. Don't try to live up to anybody else. Be the best you that you can be. Be good to other people around you and that will come back to you. That's kind of what that flower song was about, and that's kind of what uh, what Jacob found out when he was you know, discovering his dad's pipe collection. Uh, uniquely, you is important, and you are good enough. I mean, look at me. I smoke a pipe, and I drive a Mini, and I'm a Disney fan. How more unique can you get than that? And Jacob's dad, Mitch, was involved in pipes and pipe smoking and model shipbuilding and he enjoyed it and he was great at it and that made him unique so the moral of the story is don't try to keep up with anybody else try to be you and the best you that you can be and get comfortable with that because the sooner you do that boy you're going to be a happier you and a more <laughs> i don't want to say this but i'm going to say it a more unique you so there you go. The moral of the story. Uh, thank you again to Jacob for telling his, uh, his really personal story. Thank you all for tuning in. See you in Chicago. 
And until next time, the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny All these years and I finally get to announce the mailbag segment. Hell yeah.